Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. It's question time again. I am loving our monthly Q&A podcast. We always have such a great variety of questions and I really enjoy sitting back and listening to Keith come up with the answers. (laughs) And I love giving away the prize from the fabulous team at The Plant Runner at the end of our Q&A segment. So let's get started. Our first question is from Paige. Potatoes, when to plant them, what they like, and other useful goody information on these staple champions of the dinner table. All right, so when when you need to plant potatoes is when you are more or less guaranteed that you're not going to get any more frost. So that's, and, and every area is going to be different. And, and I know Paige, I think she's down in Ballarat from memory. Okay. So they might get frost a little bit longer than we get them down here. We're close, very, very close to the water. Mm. So my potatoes are already in the ground and they're already, they're already up above the, above the soil. Oof. So bang, they're off and they're going. And I plant them roughly the, the 10 to 15 centimetres deep. And what I've done this year, which I, I won't do next year, is I've done, dug a, a long, long trench yep. and then I've just p- placed the potatoes into the into the into that trench, a couple of centimetres apart. How Sorry? far apart? Oh, roughly roughly about um, roughly about about three hundred mil apart. Okay. You know, so a, a foot in the old. A ruler's scale. length. Yeah. A ruler's length. So roughly about that far apart, um, and then you, you really need to make sure that your soil is really really good. You know, it's a good active quality soil. That you've got lots and lots of good you know material in there. Um, and depending on what variety you grow, you can get some really, really good harvests from, uh, you know, from your potatoes. And one of the best ones, I think, for harvest, you know, in, in crop size is, of course, the, the Dutch cream. Yum. It's an absolute ribbon. You get up to 14 kilos of plant oh, from oh one tuber on those. Oh, my gosh. And then, again, then, of course, there's, there's lots of ways of growing them. You can, you can have a nice big deep hole and put the tuber in the bottom and just cover it slightly with a bit of compost and soil. And then when the first two leaves appear above the soil, you let that grow a little bit and then you put more soil up around those leaves. And you keep on doing that process all the way up for as long and as high as you want to do it. Really? So you get a hill? So you get a hill, yeah. So, but right through the centre of that hill will be the stem. Mm. And it's all the way along that stem that the tubers will be, will, will be growing. Wow. So... You wait then until the the, the, the flowers have, have come and gone. Right. And then you can do a process called bandicooting. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Well, it's it's what you what you do is you wait until the flowers are gone and then you, you go you dig in through the side of the hill yes. and you're feeling for the centre of the plant. And then you work your way up and down that centre of that plant and you'll find the new potatoes. Oh wow. So you harvest those off. Yeah. And of course, you don't go down below the below the the, um, the, the, the soil surface. You're only just hit going through the hilly part yeah, yep. and pulling out pulling out all those all those beautiful new potatoes. Oh. They've got very very fine skin. So what you do is, once you pull them out, you give them a really light wash. You don't want to wash them too hard because that skin will just peel off. Yeah. Go and put the 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 the, uh, the pot of boiling water on with a little bit of salt in there, and you chuck the new potatoes in there. Cook them until you can put a fork through them, take them out, slice them in half, and then smother them in butter and salt. <laughs> it is absolutely magnificent. So, so it, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant. They're a rare you know. little vegetable, aren't they? Oh, fabulous. I just love them. So there's lots of beautiful things you can do with, with, your, you know, with your potatoes. And you don't even need to do them in the ground. You can actually grow them on the lawn. 
you know, put a, put a circle of, of mesh around them, place them on the lawn, cover them with a little bit of um, you know soil. compost and, and soil, yeah. and then do that same thing. Chase them up out of the ground. Oh, you cool. could use mulch. You can use pea straw. You can do lots of things to, to, to fill up that space. That's and of course, once they once they've all all produced their their leaves, and the leaves have died down. They are then storing potatoes. They're ones that are going, you, they're going to last months and months and months. So once the leaves have died right back, you go across and just tip over the the the, the cage you've made mm. and hunt your way through and pick up all your potatoes and then okay. store them in a nice cool okay, dry spot. Okay, so if you've got them in the garden and you've got your, your hill, yep. you've got down and you're going down into the soil level to get those um, the, the the more the bigger advanced. Tubers. Yep. Potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So same thing there. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. So I and hope that helps you out, Paige. She wants to know what they like. They well, What do you mean they like? I don't know. What, when to plant them, what they like. They like a really good, well-composted soil. Oh, yeah, soil. right, of Once course. again, <clears throat> potatoes will grow in lots and lots of, of, of different sorts of, of climes and different sorts of conditions. And sun. In full sun, full sun. the best. Yep. Um, but... They, once again, they don't like to be sitting in, in boggy, wet soil okay. because they'll rot. There's drainage. You know? So okay. Okay. good drainage, good soil, lots of compost and regular feeds. Sounds great. That's like a fun thing for kids to do, so, you know, families, children to do, build Absolutely. up their little hill and of, get those of, potatoes of coming. Where food comes from. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Paige. Our next question is from Caroline, who's becoming a regular on our Q&A sessions. That is so great. We love to hear that. Thank you, Caroline. Actually, she has a couple of questions here. So here's number one. I have grown tulips for the first time this year, and I am so excited. Just wondering if I have to feed them now while they are growing or wait until they have finished. All right. So tulips are grown from a bulb. Yep. And if, if that tulip produces a flower this season it is producing that flower from the energy that it stored last year Mm -hmm. so what you need to do is you need to be feeding it this year for next year's blooms okay so it needs to have lots of good regular feeding Mm. and never ever after the after the the the, uh, tulip has has flowered the flower yeah you never ever cut the, the 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 leaves and everything off you can cut the flower head off but leave the leaves, leave the leaves alone because those leaves are going to be carrying on that that photosynthesis process and storing that energy into that bulb for next year. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Question number two is can you propagate tulips and if so, when is the best time to do that? Yeah, look, you can, um, but it's going to be a lot easier to, to, you know, it's quite an involved process. So a tulip will, will produce bulbs and other other little little fellas around it. Okay. Um, so you can actually harvest those mm. and then spread those out through the garden. Mm. So they'll colonise. Yeah. Well, that sounds doesn't sound too hard. That sounds no. But um, another process is is actually collecting seed if you want. And oh that's, gosh. You've got to no, no, no. St- styrate the seed and all these sorts styrate. of things. Styrate. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I don't know what styrate it gets a little, is. It gets a little bit complicated. So Forget it, Caroline. Col- don't do it. Colonise yeah, and they'll okay. just spread out. Get, grab the bulbets. Is yep. that what you call them? Okay, so now for Caroline's last question. I have a smoke bush which has grown into a funny shape. Can I prune it back hard and then hopefully it will grow back to a normal shape? Caroline, you are the king of that plant's domain and how it grows and how it reacts and all the, ra- all the rest of it. You have in your hands a pair of secateurs and you 
shape that plant the way you Go want it to grow. Broke. <laughs> yeah. So if it if it has if it has got um, become rather unruly, then you're going to have to waste a little bit of a bit of growth, and probably the the the, uh, the, the beautiful array of the smoke it's bush, gorgeous colours, yeah, yeah, um, leaves, and just cut it back to a shape that you want this year, and then next year do a light a light prune during the winter after it's after that you know it's done its, it's full bizzo. So you might cut off that that smoke the smoke um, effect. Not from the now. from the flower heads, yeah. Yeah, okay. So but, she can do it now. She can do it now. Yes, yes. You could okay. get into that and, and give it a, a little bit of a prune up, and you probably even stimulate the plant a lot more and, and get a lot more, um, yep. you know, off growth, you know, side shoots and and uh, you know growth coming from those branches. Okay. Good luck, Caroline, with that. Send us a photo. <laughs> uh, now we have a couple of questions from Tania. Tania says, I'm wanting to create a food forest where I currently have a lemon, lime and fajoa. What are your suggestions for growing under my citrus, please? The lemon is a large established tree. Okay, so a food forest is a wonderful thing to have uh, because access to freshly grown uh, fruit is just amazing. But I would suggest that you think hard and fast about what you would like to grow under a citrus tree. And the reason for that is that the citrus tree has surface feeding roots. And if you have competition with those surface feeding roots, you are robbing the citrus tree of access to food. Right, so that's yes. something that, that I would suggest that you perhaps Think about. Not, 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 you know, not, not consider too much. Mm. What you could do in, in actual fact would be to put a series of pots in and around underneath the, the, mm. the citrus tree, and in those pots, you could plant lots of different varieties of strawberries mm. into those pots that and just have pretty. them cascading and hanging down for those. Oh, that sounds pretty. So, you, no, you can't really grow much under underneath a citrus tree because it is competition. Okay. And, and I, I never, I, well, I lie, I've got one, one tree in my place that's in a lawn, and that tree was there when we came to the property. And that's a plum, and it produces such beautiful plums that I, I, I won't pull it out. So I've had to move all my garden beds, raised garden beds, out of the road of that, that fruit tree. So it is, it is growing in competition with a lawn. So and all of the fruit bit. trees are a problem. In the, so plum is also has, has um, surface roots yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and if, you've got, if you've got grass growing over the top of oh, it, yeah, then yeah. that's competition for the, yeah. you know, for the source of food. Yeah. What about in my garden, going back to my garden again, mm -hmm. um, where I've got the sedums. Now, sedum, sedum autumn joy, I've got them growing underneath my citrus tree. Is that a problem? Look, it's, it's, not, more... it's, it's not a real big problem, but... You know, ideally you just don't do it. Ideally you wouldn't do it. You you would have you'd have something some other structure underneath that tree okay. to, to get benefit from. And that's where you you know you go for a pot. Okay. Or I a understand. series of pots. I hope Tanya doesn't mind that answer. Mm. She's happy with that. Question number two from Tanya. Uh, Tanya, by the way, is in Victoria. Now she says, What veggie should I grow more or less of for a wet summer? A La Nina prediction. Okay, well, if your conditions are right, it's not going to matter. If your soil conditions are right, they're not, it's not going to be boggy, wet soil that's going to hold lots of slushy moisture and so forth, then you, 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 know, you, you really don't need to worry about what sort of things you're going to grow. What I like to, what I like to, to, to say here is that um, we are just, we're, we're in the process of, of growing our summer crops and the soil's all been prepared, the beds are all sitting there 
Uh, most of them are dormant at the moment because they're just resting Preparing. with all the new, all the new, you know, Clyde's compost we've put into those those beds. So we've got them ready now for tomatoes, which we'll be planting in the last couple of weeks of October when the soil temperature rises up. But we've also got a swag of, of lettuce that we're growing. Um, people like to grow things like like the brassicas at this time of the year, and I don't. Mm. I grow my brassicas during the, during the winter period mm. Mm. when that stinking rotten little white mongrel butterfly oh, is not flying around. around laying eggs. Good idea. So I don't have, have to worry about that sort of thing. But there's lots and lots of things that you can grow. Um, we are about to start growing um, cucumber seeds, cucumbers from seeds, yes. zucchinis from seeds, but we won't be growing our kerkerka bits, such as pumpkins. Kerkerka? They're called kerkerka bits, yeah, pumpkins and these, these sorts of things, and melons. Okay. We won't be growing those until summer because the soil temperature's got to be 21 plus right. in order for those to, to successfully grow. Okay. But... As I said, you've got lots of lettuces you can be growing. Um, you know, don't don't. I wouldn't don't hold worry. back. I wouldn't hold back. Just go for it. Just you know, don't worry whether it's going to be a, a cold, wet. Just summer. go for it, and, just, and as long as your soil is in yeah, great condition, you, it should, they should be fine. As long as you put the effort into your soil, mm. the plants are going to reward you, and you won't have to water as much if it, if that prediction is exactly. right. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, we can save some money. And now for a question and a lovely note from Kate. Hi, guys. I've only recently discovered the podcast, but I've fallen in love with it. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. I live in Merriwagga, New South Wales, and I'm building a garden from scratch on really sandy soil, also on a budget. I can access sheep and chicken manure. Will this be enough to help improve the soil for a vegetable garden? Well, Kate, it absolutely will. And Yay. the more of that stuff that you can add to your sandy soil, the better it's going to be. Um, and then... What I would be also thinking about adding are green manure crops. So there's lots and lots of different uh, manure, green manure crops. There's one that I particularly love, and it's called Clever Clover. Mm. And that is a, it is a clover that, that will grow and it won't go on. It'll, it'll, it's more or less an annual. Oh, so good. it'll, it'll yep. come, and, come and, and get to a stage where it'll just die back in, and then you just turn that back into the soil, oh. and you're adding that beautiful um, compost and, you know, Good organic material back into the into the soil. So she does she does that to start with. The, you could, she, could, the she could just simply if she's got access to lots and lots of sheep manure. Sheep manure is fantastic yeah. because it's a hard pelletized little little fella, and you mix that into the soil, and then you add your chicken manure. Um, but if, it, if the chicken manure is going to be fresh, it's going to be full of, uh, of of uric acid, and that will tend to burn things. So. You know, if you're not going to be growing into into that that uh, those beds that you put that fresh chicken manure in, they'll be fine. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Otherwise, they'll leave burn. them for you know a few months and and, and, and grow the... and grow some some um you know some green manure crops. Yeah, that sounds so, great. So there's lots and lots of things you can you can put in. Okay, fantastic. Okay, we've come up to our last question now. This one is from Lisa. I have a lovely time listening to your episodes as I go about my own gardening. Sometimes I listen to certain episodes multiple times. Isn't that great to hear, Keith? Beautiful. My question is about grass growing under trees, particularly fruit trees. Here we go again because mm -hmm. we just had talked about this. I'm lucky enough to have an old orchard I am restoring. Oh, that sounds lovely. As best I can. And I wanted to know two things. Should I remove the grass growing right up to their trunks? And if so, what is the method for this? Okay. Um, Lisa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just con consider that, that um, you don't like using chemicals and... That's one for Good. me too. Good. Um, so 
what I'm going to say is I would never have trees growing in lawn or grass because A, it is competition and B, it is subject to someone getting out with a brush cutter and, and, and removing the, 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 the cadmium layer of the, of the tree or damaging the bark with a, with a lawnmower um, because you've got to go up nice and close to it. So my suggestion would be don't grow your fruit trees in a lawn situation. I think she's got that. That's unfortunate. She's, she's um, got that situation. She's yeah, trying so, to move. So she, you've got to get, got to get it out get of that situation. Yeah. So what you need to do is I would be pruning back a lot of your plants, so, so reducing them back to a size that you, you can find manageable. And I reckon a, a fruit tree that is any more than two metres but two metres but two metres is not worth considering, not worth handling. So prune it back to that. And if you're, if you've got an old, old um, orchard like my daughter has, she's she's um, inherited a, a, a very old orchard oh, up, in, uh, up in Glen Rowan. Yep. And all the fruit trees have been left unpruned yep. for uh, probably quite a few years. Oh. So my suggestion to her is, rather than than, than cutting it, everything back hard this year, cut back half of the tree hard this year. Leave the other half to go. So you'll at least be getting Get some, some fruit, fruit yeah. off the off the part you haven't harvested, and nothing off the probably off the side you have, mm. and then the following year reduce the other side. So oh, so light, one side, do just, a, just, one side, just, yeah. yeah. So just do gotcha. half the one tree, prune, prune back hard half the tree. Yeah, yeah, good um, idea. Now, getting back to the the um, the grass, the grass underneath the tree. In my case, um, I would suggest that you have a look at a product called Weed Gunnel. Um, and this is an, uh, an, an allowable input in organic farming. Now, it looks a little bit like weed mat, um, but it is made out of a material that will do its job and then in about five or six years totally disintegrate. Ah, All right, so the job would have been done. So I would put, I would, I would put the, uh, the, the weed gunnel around the drip line of the tree, so out, out to where the, the outer branches are, and then on top of that, I would then mulch. And I'd put, a, I'd put any sort of mulch you could get your hands on on top of that, that weed gunnel and just keep it there. And then just trim, trim the, the grass outside of that particular space. And that will be adding it'll, – it'll, the weed gunnel will, will, will kill the grass that's beneath it because Fabulous. it can't grow up through it. Yes. And then the mulch on top will be protecting that plant – um, and then providing a little, a little bit of goodness, you know, through it as well. That's very, very good advice. I like that. Okay. Okay. Now, Lisa has a last part to her question. Are there some small plants that are suitable or even helpful to plant in between or underneath fruit trees? We've really just discussed that too, so yeah. go back to it again. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not something that, that I would really suggest you do. However, if you had a, if you had a, um, a, um, a, a space, say, of about a metre between, between the drip line of each of the trees, what you could do in those areas is put in raspberries. So you could make make up a raspberry bed. So put in in four posts with uh, two wires at, at, at say, um, 90 centimetres and then 1.8 metres off the ground and then plant your raspberry canes into that. Okay. And that at least will give you another crop. Mm. Um, and if you get um, the, the heritage varieties... You kept, you simply cut everything back down to the ground um, at the end of the end of the growing season. You're not worrying about 
which cane's going to produce next year's wood. So go for a heritage type variety. But I think we've done a podcast on this, haven't we? We have. So, so that, go back and have a little. Go back and have one. a look at our list because we've got us about everything in it. Yeah. Okay. So and, and the other thing you could you could do between each of each of the rows, maybe outside, is maybe put a hedge. Um, around them or, or, you know, in between them. I mean, I, I, I can't see what your garden looks like, but I'm, I'm, and I'm just imagining this in my mind, but you could put a hedge um, at, at, in, in, in between each of the fruit trees and you could go for something like um, a Chilean guava, mm. um, which is, its botanical name is rather unfortunate. It is Agni Molinae. Mm, lovely. Uh, it's a Chilean guava. It has a beautiful little um, pea-sized uh, red uh, fruit on it, which has got the most intense flavour, mm. and you could just simply cut that as a hedge at any height that you want, and it'll give you a, a good return back for its space. There are so many um, fruiting hedges that, there that could be considered as well. And, really, and, aren't as, there? and as long as you keep it as a hedge, mm. the root system's not going to go, go any further and become competition to the, the fruit, fruit trees, trees around it. Great advice, Keith. Thank That's you. Fantastic. <laughs> Okay, that is it. Thanks again to everyone who sent in their questions. Please keep sending your gardening questions either by sending a DM to our Muddy Boots Instagram page or by emailing gardengirl at aussiemail.com.au. Please, 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 miss. Who won? Who won? Oh, hang on. That's next. So, now <laughs> for the prize. Thank you, Keith. Today's prize winner is Kate Pianto for her fabulous question on, uh, regarding building a garden on sandy soil. So congratulations, Kate. We will be in contact with you shortly. Thanks again to the guys at The Plant Runner for supplying the weekly Q&A prize. Visit theplantrunner.com. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.